Hello, and welcome to episode 134 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this week, we're going to continue our uh, playing in paper series, and we're going to look at how to shortcut your way through the turn. Not, like, skip anything super important, but, like, how you can maneuver around more effectively. Yeah, it's not like your opponent just cast an Elrond's Epiphany and you you just skip your whole turn, but how to, like, reasonably work turn and paper because arena does a lot of that stuff for you stops and such so yeah we're going to talk about how to do that stuff like verbally with your opponent and how much information is expected to be like transferred back and forth so Uh, if you guys have any i'll go ahead i was gonna say if you have any suggestions right you can get us on (laughs) twitter at casual tripod real quick sorry about that i almost stole your thunder yeah Yeah, and we have um, what's it? We had a new Twitter follower from Denmark. We are, I think, it was Denmark. We are like worldwide diversified. Wow! Yeah, yeah. uh, You know, that's that's not first one. I don't know anybody from Denmark. Yeah, that's not South Carolina. So we're we're moving out in the world. That that is true. Um, Aside from Twitter, you can hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can drop us an email show at Casual Tryhard MTG dot com. If you guys have, you know, any questions about how to get through a turn or if you had any feedback about some of the other episodes in this series or if there's things that you want us to talk about in the upcoming episodes. Um, I think I have maybe six-ish episodes left until we're done with this whole thing and then we get to figure out how to cut it into like a giant 24-hour long episode posted out there for the masses. That should be fun. Yeah, twenty four yeah. hour episode. Like we could, we could just like play it and like just take turns like doing commentary with like listeners or something. Okay, like twenty four hour streams. It could just be a twenty four hour pod. Oh man, there we go. I don't, I don't know if I could handle that. Yeah, neither do I. I'm old now. I think my talker would break. <laughs> Your talker would break. Yeah. All right. I'm not much of a talker. I don't have the same practice that you do. Fair, <laughs> fair. Years of practice. Yeah. Um, also, if you guys want to support the show, um, we would appreciate it if you use our TCG player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. I know over the weekend I went through and made an order stuff that I've been meaning to order from Modern Horizons 2 and a couple things from Forgotten Realms. I pretty much skipped this set, so but there were a couple interesting cards that I wanted to add to my collection, so I ordered them and a bunch of stuff from MH2. And I used our TCG player affiliate link so that we get paid back for that. So anything you guys purchase after following that link, we'll get a little cut off to help keep the show going. Um, if any of you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casual MTG. Patrons get access to our pre-show. Our pre-show today was a doozy. It was an hour and 20 minutes, and we got deep into the... Things happening in modern magic design. Yeah. Um, our pre-show today could have easily been an episode. It was very so good. It, it was really good. Like, I kept thinking that as we were doing the pre-show that, like, you know, people are going to miss out because this was this was a good, like, it could have been a good episode. Um, so our patrons are blessed to have access to that content. Um, if anybody else wants access to that content, throw a couple bucks in the pot. Hit us up on patreon.com slash casual and you'll get access to it as well. 
while we're working through this playing in paper series, um, like that kind of stuff is going to be saved for the pre-show just because we don't have time to do it all in the actual episodes. And not just from you guys, but you guys have all been asking us playing paper stuff. And we've had some outside sources kind of asking us for some of this playing in paper stuff. And we're also, you know, trying to use this to grow the show some too by reaching out to local game stores and stuff. So if any of you guys have a local game store that is interested in maybe helping us get the word out about the show, or you think they could use some of these uh, tips and tricks and, you know, how to navigate and, you know, best practices for a turn, whatever, um, hit me up in either our email or on our Discord. There's a link in the description. There's a link on social media, but jump into our Discord, send me a message. Um, let me know when I'll reach out to your game store you know, hook them up with some swag to hopefully help promote the show a little bit too. Yeah. You got anything else for the, uh, the intro or end of this? I don't think so. So let's get into this whole thing. All right. All right. So like we said, we're going to work on how to like effectively navigate through your turn. And a lot of that relies on shortcuts. And we talked about some of them last week, but I Mm -hmm. think we're just going to, you know, do it a little bit more, uh, in a more focused manner this this week. Yeah, a little bit more in depth and kind of talk about some of the differences. Um, I had mentioned at the top of the show that a lot of people right now are starting to play in paper either again or for the first time after being introduced to the game digitally on Arena. And Arena holds your hand. Um like as much as every as, as much as we complain about the interface and some of the control stuff that happens with arena if all you do is play on arena you are unfortunately going to be kind of a sloppy paper player um i know after spending the last how long has it been 18 months or whatever uh playing basically only on arena my paper game is garbage it's so bad i'm so rusty yeah, um, like just all the stuff you have to track and you know all the ways you have to communicate. You just haven't had to do it because the client was like, "Here's how much damage is marked on that creature," right? And all that stuff is taking care of you. Yeah. So you know we've talked about different aspects of this in some of the other portions of this series, and like Brian said, today we're going to talk about how to get through a turn because in arena it moves through the turn for you. And you don't have to worry about any of this. You just click that end turn button and it goes right on through the end of the turn. So today's, a lot of this is going to be about communication. Um, Some of it is going to be some tips and tricks. Um, But like in arena, you don't really communicate with your opponent unless you're a savage that has your emotes on. Um, So like communication is important. Communication is what keeps the game state correct and make sure everybody is doing what and like allows the game to progress i guess yeah i mean it's what allows the game to happen right like mm-hmm. you can't like the two of you just can't sit in silence and like play cards and like turn things sideways like it just won't work right right so all right so we've talked about this before right the in the paper game there are things that we do just to save time right right and the first one is kind of the first three phases of the game 
untap, yeah. untap upkeep draw. Mm-hmm. Every so often, I will like mutter these as I go through them. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like it's just kind of one motion. You untap your cards and uh, you untap your cards and then you draw your card. Right. And so, and like, like on Arena, it even kind of lumps these together too, right? Because if you put a stop at the beginning of the turn, it stops. It makes a stop every priority change through the start of the main phase, right? Yeah, like there's not a there's not a stop for uh, the draw step per se, right? Right, like there's a stop for a, basically the upkeep, and it's kind mm-hmm. of put those two steps together and it asks you to pass to the draw step. Yeah, but and then asks you to pass out of the draw step, but it's not like there's just a, a like an upkeep stop and then a draw step stop. They're kind of pushed them all together. Yep. And like we talked about last week, there's nothing you can do in the untap step anyway. Yeah. So it's basically just the upkeep and the draw. It is though super weird like right now like with Blackstaff where it does in mm-hmm. your upkeep say like do you want to untap this? Yeah. And it's like everything's grayed out except for the Blackstaff and you're like oh I guess I do have to make the decision now in my <laughs> in my untap step. That's right. Right. But yeah, so if you want to so if you want to do something in your opponent's upkeep, you need to stop them from drawing their card. Yeah, if they draw their card, it's too late. You there's really no way to go back. Right. So you need to like communicate, you know, you know, you end your turn and then you want to kind of say like, okay, your turn, I have effects in your upkeep. You want to like let them know or like as they're untapping you want to say like mm-hmm. hey i have effects in your upkeep right yeah. like ideally right i guess the like most like waiting for their untap and like catching them there right mm-hmm. is probably the most um advantageous for you correct at, as the as the player because if they were going to do something on your end step they might not Right. Or they might do something different on your end step because you've telegraphed that you have something to do on their upkeep. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the chances of you missing the oh, yeah, very high, the the like the untap, especially if they're like not tapped out right. or something, if they just like can like go draw their card, like it it increases the chances you can miss. So yeah, like, there's also like especially at um like regular rules level or at like FNM or whatever where things are a lot more casual. Like a lot of players, especially new players, don't untap first. They'll draw their car first and then like, you know, when they go to start their turn, they'll realize they haven't untapped their lands yet and then they'll untap their lands and, you know, proceed with their main phase. So if you get one of those players and you're waiting for them to untap so that you, you know, stop them and say, I have effects in your upkeep. Like, you're going to be too late because they've already drawn their card. Yeah. And, you know, what ends up happening, especially like the FNM is, is like, oh, I'll untap my lands and I'll like stick my card back on top or something, right? Yeah. Because, you know, you're playing for store credit or like a pack. Like, right. There's no reason to like try to knife someone. Right. But <laughs> at the same time, right, the, you, you do need like one, you need to do your stuff in the right order, especially mm-hmm. like coming from arena. Like you need to make sure like, Hey, I need to untap. Right. And then there's, 
right? It's kind of like untap, like almost like take a beat just a sec and then draw your card to like be like, like to give your opponent time to respond. But if you need to do something in their upkeep, you need to say like, Hey, this is going to happen. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, if you leak a little information, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's probably better than like missing your, yeah. Missing your window to do the thing you needed to do. Yeah, or like you said, you know, at FNM level play, that's probably what is going to happen is your opponent will just like put the card back on top and say, okay, go ahead and then draw their card afterwards. Like the amount of information that you have leaked by saying I have effects during your upkeep, like on your end step, is very small compared to the amount of information that your opponent gained by looking at the top. Yeah. By looking at the top of their deck. Yeah. So it's just, you know, whatever's. But just being clear and saying, hey, Mm -hmm. this is something I need to do and I need to make sure I do it here. Right. And like we talked about before, that can be something like if you have a removal spell and you think they might have a counter spell. Right. Mm -hmm. You want to do that on your upkeep. So you on their upkeep. I'm sorry. So you minimize the chance of them drawing a counter spell, but you make you tax their mana on their turn. Right. Or, uh, you know, good old Elder Deep Fiend mm-hmm. uh, or Mistbind Click, yep. right? If you go really old, something that, like, can tap lands. Yeah. You're like, hey, flash this in, tap your lands. Yeah. Right? To, like, t- try to time walk them for a turn. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are all things you have to do, like, on their, on their uh, upkeep to, like, maximize the effect. Yeah. Um, I'll also say the flip side of this which is you know after the format has been played a little bit and you're kind of used to the interactions and like you know what's out there in the meta a lot of times if i'm suspecting something that has like a weird timing constraint i'll either number one like give extra time for my opponent to do the thing or i'll straight up ask them like during shadows when we had elder deep fiend like i would untap and say are you going to deep fiend me? Yeah. And, like, like give them every opportunity to do so. I mean, cause honestly, you know, if you see the, you know, whatever the three mana, like draw a card creature. Yeah. In like in, in the blue green deck. Yeah. And then your opponents like, and it's like, has up four mana. You're like, huh? I wonder what could possibly be happening right now. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's harder when it's like, you know, just some random pile and you right. don't know to ask. But yeah, like you can just be like, hey, am I am I going to use all of my lands this turn? Right. And I can be like, yes, you get to use all of your lands this turn. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Can I have another? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So just like being conscientious and being like, yo, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Um, so the other thing and we talked about this before is getting into combat. Mm-hmm. Right, so going from your main phase to like declaring attackers, the official tournament shortcut is saying I'm going to go to combat or go to combat. Yeah, right, and that cuts out the beginning of combat step, which is right. where you have a chance to do something in combat before you declare attackers. Mm-hmm. Right. And we talked about, like, that's where Goblin Rebel Master makes his token. 
that's, that's where, where Bullcraft Exemplar gets pumped. Yeah. And I think I don't know, it's it's hard because they they will say like we're not doing this anymore or they will design cards that could work like that, but yeah. they change them and then like two sets later they go back to the same like design that was a problem. Yeah. Previously. So, um but I don't know how many cards they designed to have like beginning of combat triggers. Right. Yeah. Uh, now. A lot of times now it's like if this creature is attacking. Yeah. Do a thing. Yeah. Or right. when this creature attacks, do a thing. Yeah. Instead of at the beginning of combat. Yeah. Cause I think it's an easier arena thing. Probably. Yeah. Cause I mean, think about, uh, you know, how many, uh, like Legion war bosses got free tokens. Right. Right. Because for the longest time arena would like, they would resolve their spell and it would just pass to combat and the trigger mm-hmm. would go on the stack. And as the non-active player, you didn't have a chance to kill it before they got to combat. Right. Like if you didn't have a stop set. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, now for some cards like Legion war boss or whatever, like you can't, you can make it when they attack, but it makes the card fundamentally different. Yes. But like, you know, if Toolcraft Exemplar was like when it attacks, it gets plus three plus one. Mm-hmm. Right. It would have made it so it couldn't crew heart. But like right. what Toolcraft Exemplar was trying to do, which is be a four two. Right. Or a four three or whatever. It could three have two, still a three two. It still could have done it. Right. Right. But this combination with heart was weird. So if someone says go to combat, if you need to do something in their beginning of combat phase, like we talked about, like this is where you can kill a creature and make sure they can't play a haste creature behind it. Right. Or, um, uh, that's the big one. If you're the non-active player, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the main time you do anything there. Right. So, um, it's, Again, I'm going to relate this to what we were just talking about when we were talking about like etiquette through like the first few phases of a turn is like once you're deep into a format, you kind of already know the timing. Like for every standard format, there are certain like timing tricks that are to be learned to like play optimally or like you can kind of expect them out of your opponent. And this beginning of combat is the same thing. Like, if there's cards that are seeing play that care about the beginning of combat, it's the right thing to do to, like you said, say, you know, move to combat and do it that way. Um, If there's nothing in the format that cares about the beginning of combat, except for what you said, where, you know, you're trying to kill something without, like, a hasty creature following it up, um, normally it's fine to just like say, okay, I'm going to attack with these guys. Like, I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. I guess in the, the thing with like you as a non-active player, if your opponent says go to combat, mm-hmm. right. And you want to do the thing where you kill their creature in the beginning of combat, you have to like, here's where communication is important. If you say, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to kill your thing. Yeah. Right. Where you said stop, we were still in the main phase. Correct. Right? So you have to be like, okay. uh, Be like, 
all right, I need to do something in the beginning of combat. Mm-hmm. Right. And make, make that clear that you want to go to combat, but you yeah. want to stop before declare attackers because you have yeah. the right to stop there. Basically, when they when someone says go to combat or does any of these shortcuts, they're basically asking you, hey, is it OK if we skip some part of the turn beginning of combat? Yeah. Right. So they're saying go to combat and they're and they're mm-hmm. trying to get to declare attackers. And yeah. you can say, like, I need to do something here and they have to let you wait. Yeah. A lot of thing. times, like, like if I want to kill a thing before attacks or, you know, whatever effect you want to do, um, a lot of times I'll say, or my opponent will say, you know, go to combat and I'll say, okay, but before attacks, I'll kill this guy. I'll yeah. animate my land or I'll tap your guy down or whatever it is like that way. There's no um, like misunderstanding. My opponent knows that I've said, okay, which means we're no longer in the main phase, but I said, but before attacks, that means before attackers are declared. So that solidly puts everybody in beginning of combat. Yeah. So as long as you're clear, but it, uh, there is, um, how can I put this? There's there's a the okay but like where it's close together where things mm-hmm. get sketchy is if you're like okay but yeah. right if you wait too long your opponent might feel like you are trying to like see what creatures they're reaching you're gonna reach for to attack yeah and like steal information again we're probably right. playing an F and M right uh, no need to do that and if we're not playing an F and M don't do that still. Right. I mean, you you got yelled at because like, so, like a trigger went on the stack and you they oh it was a fight spell or something and they're like you waited to oh to give to feed something. It was uh, oh yeah, wicked yeah, wolf yeah. yeah you like they thought like you waited too long to do the to do the indestructible right yeah so like just making sure that things are like well paced when you say it so people don't feel like you're trying to like eat a little bit of extra edge out of them. Yeah. And again, like usually at FNM, it doesn't matter as much. These are hopefully people that are your friends and that you know, and you <laughs> or don't, that, you know, will be your friends and that you will know. Yeah. And you don't want to go in and be like, Oh man, I think this guy's trying to scum me for a pack. Yeah. Like, you know, or, Oh man, this like $10 in store credit. Like, so yeah, just, you know, be clear and you know again i think that being clear is going to lead to people having more fun and enjoying it more well it also leads to better players like that was the driving force behind me getting back into magic was like the quality of player that we had at the store was that that it made you want to be a better player yeah and i think like that part of the game is kind of what's missing lately and what really bums me out about like magic as a whole is that that drive to be like a higher level, more technical player. Like th- there's no reason for that anymore. And that yeah. was like literally what drew me into the game. Yeah. Um, it, that is, it is sad because like, I like to do something to try to get reasonably good at it. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, that's, that's why a lot of times, like, I have a hard time going back and playing, like, video games. 
mm-hmm. because like there was a point where I played this game a lot and I was yeah. really good at it or I felt like really good at it. And then I come back and I'm just like, oh man, I've got to relearn everything. Like, yeah, I don't want to go through all that again. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas like magic was like, oh, this is something I can like get better at. And there's like a reason to get better at like, you know, playing a one player video game. There's not a real yeah. reason to get better. <laughs> right? right. And if magic, you know, you know, magic almost feels at, at times like you're playing a one player video game. Yeah. I mean, right? even on arena where you have, have like an actual other player a lot of times. It's like a one-player video game. I mean, that's what I meant. Like, you have your emotes yeah. off. It's basically a, like, Sparky with a better AI. Right. And you're just like, oh, okay, I'm going to play these games and whatever. Yeah. All right. So, like we said, like, we keep stressing, like, the F&M aspect mm-hmm. of shortcuts, right? And they're fine for F&M. They help you get back to your house at, like, 11 as opposed to 12. <laughs> right right because if you were if you, like every turn you were like go to untap go to upkeep may i move to the draw phase right draw my car may i move to main phase <laughs> right you're gonna be there forever right so right. these things you just are 100 percent going to time yes right uh with um uh competitive play right you need to be more Again, more clear and more mindful mm-hmm. of your of your shortcuts to make sure everyone knows what's going on. Yeah, it's also easy in competitive play for like you to like catch a failure to maintain. Yes, because of something that your opponent did. You're you're talking to someone who got a failure to maintain because his opponent had nine cards in his hand. Right. And it became my job in that the rest of that match to ask how many cards do you have at the end of every turn? Because technically the game state is it's up to both players to maintain it. So if one of you is not maintaining the game state at, you know, higher level rules, both at fault. Yeah. So, um, so you have here err on the side of too much information. So basically, yeah, communicate maybe more than you think like you should have to. Well, just to make sure everybody's on the same same page. Exactly. Um, like life totals. Whenever life totals change, if I'm playing in a reasonably competitive event, I will announce the life total changes. And yes. I will announce what each of us or are at. Every single time the life totals change, so because be like, that's the number one place where like things can get gray. Like, oh, I'll take take five, go to fourteen, uh, go to fourteen. So f- I got up fourteen, like fourteen twenty. Right. Right. Exactly. The number of times and the, like the most common thing that gets missed is fetch lands. Oh yeah. Either. 100%. Either like it's like I'll crack my fetch and you go get your land and your opponent writes down the life total change and you didn't because you were fetching yeah yeah like that and the number of times like my opponent's been like oh I have you at thirteen instead of fourteen mm-hmm. I'm just like oh okay like yeah I must, yeah. I, I, I fetch I must just not have written it down but yeah. this is the the joy of having the paper right. is right your opponent can be like. It went 20 to 19, then to 18. Now you're at 13. And it's like, yeah. oh, I have it 20 to 19, 19 to 14. 
Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I did miss that one point. Mm-hmm. Right. You can look in your graveyard and go like, oh, I have two fetch lands. I only have yeah. one life total, one life missing for my fetch. Okay. Yeah. This makes perfect sense. I know what's going on. I've had right. this happen a lot of times with Thought Seas also. You know, oh, being yeah. somebody that has cast a lot of Thought Seas, I will, you know, cast Thought Seas, write the life total change on my paper, and then, like, while I'm looking through my opponent's hand, they'll be so concerned with, you know, what what their game plan's going to be after I take the card that they needed that they'll forget to write down the life total change. And, like we said earlier, failure to maintain is for both players. So even though your opponent made the mistake with your life total, um, it's up to both of you to maintain that correctly. Yeah. And like there is, like we keep saying failure to maintain like the game state, but right. they are pretty they are pretty lenient with that. Like I think yeah. you need like three of them or something yeah. for it to actually be a penalty. Like but, over the course of a whole tournament. So yeah. It's... And like a lot of times... You know, those are things that if you're just like, oh, yeah, no, it makes sense that I, like, forgot to do that. Like, cool. Like, it usually doesn't raise to that level. But if it's like, and if it's like the fifth time it's happened in a game or the third time and you're like, wait a minute, I feel like you're really trying to, like, scumbag me. Or or if it comes down to the last life point. Yeah. And and your opponent thinks you're dead and you don't. Yeah, like, and you're I like, mean, oh. that's the point where you would call a judge over, and then you would, yeah, try one to figure of you it out. or both of you would, yeah. Yeah, so just, like, talking through, and, like, it's good to just, like, when you write it down, announce, and then that's where you can fix the issue. Mm-hmm. Right, because usually it's pretty low stress to be like, oh, we were off a point, or we were off two, and, like, yeah. oh, yeah, you didn't write this down, or, oh, that creature had lifelink, so I'm actually at 22, not 20. Right. And, like, this is where communication is key also, because if you have been communicating with your opponent, it's a lot easier to fix these changes than if all you've done is grunt at your opponent and then there's a life total discrepancy. It's going to be a lot harder to fix because, like, one or both of you hasn't been very, you know, communicative yeah. up to that point. Yeah, we've already talked about, like, asking to move to combat. Uh, mm-hmm. like just being clear with that that is I think probably the biggest like place where confusion happens either someone didn't realize it saying okay move them to declare attackers or right. they tried to do something and they were still in the main phase yeah right so like just being clear like where you are when you're doing your thing before mm-hmm. you go to like around the first main phase the combat transition yeah and if you had listened to the last episode you knew that like where some of those tips and tricks and like little edges can be had so yeah it's important to be clear especially around those little tips and tricks and edges yeah um okay yeah i was just gonna say you know like, like i had mentioned previously um especially if there's things in the format that like you know are likely to come up. I like to give a little bit of extra time there. Um, It's pretty common for your opponent to do things during your upkeep. So a lot of times I will untap, and then even if it's not like noticeable for my opponent, I'll pause for a second before I draw my card just to make sure that they have an opportunity to say something to. Yeah. Um, If you're doing any kind of like shortcut 
mm-hmm. uh, be specific. So this is one I talked about last week. It yeah. is diff- there's a difference between move to end step or move to cleanup. Right. Right. And like end step, they have a chance to respond. Mm-hmm. Clean up, they don't. Right. And, and like there's more to this also because you can like if it, say you're mana screwed or whatever and you draw your card and you can't do anything for your turn and you just say pass the turn. Like, I mean, you're shortcutting a huge portion of your turn. You skipped your main phase, your combat phase, your main phase, your end step, and now you're in cleanup. Yes. So, like, if your opponent wanted to do something in between there, like, they need to speak up. Or if you're the opponent and you specifically wanted to do something, you know, at a specific point, you need to say, during your main phase one, or during your combat step, or before you leave... You know, yeah, main like, phase two or whatever. Like on, you know, they're like, move to clean up. You're like, well, okay, on your end step. Yeah. Right. The problem is, right, that when someone says something, we typically acknowledge it with like, okay, or yeah. Right. And if you don't immediately follow that with like what you want to do. Right. You've, you have agreed to what they want to do. Yeah, right. I mean, that's another really important point. I know, you know, in some higher level events, when I'm trying to process information, I will say, okay. So my opponent casts a spell, I will say, okay. And then I'll think about what I want to do. That kind of gets murky when you're playing a blue deck with counter magic. Because if your opponent casts a spell and you say, okay, acknowledging that they're casting the spell... And then you're thinking about what counter spell to play, and then they play something else. Like you never told them you wanted to stop. You just agreed that they're casting their spell, and you yeah, know, the shortcut okay means okay, it's good. Yeah, it means it's basically they're they're saying does questing beast resolve, right. and you and you were like, I am acknowledging that you asked me this question, right? And by but you just said okay. And they're like, oh, so I asked, is Questing Beast resolved? And he said, okay, so Questing Beast is on the board. Well, actually, right. we're like, I need to think if Questing Beast resolves. Right. And, like, so, like, I know when I've, when I've played against, like, heavy blue control decks, I'll just cast them on, like, does this resolve? Yeah. And the, and the people will be like, I'm thinking about it. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And they might not have a counter spell, right. but they're thinking <laughs> if your spell resolves. Right. That's right. But it's just, like, the way we're programmed, like, as Americans to communicate with whatever it is, someone says something, you're like, oh, yeah, or okay, yeah. and then, but that means something in game language, and you have to, like, try to be mindful of being uh, precise with your words, right? Yeah. It takes a while to kind of, like, turn on the, like, okay, I'm playing a magic game now, I need to like really dial in and figure out like what like yeah. what I need to say. You know, even even if it's like que- you know, questing beast and you can just be like give me a minute. Like yep. one second. Right. right. Um, and like we said a lot of this stuff like at FNM level you're not going to run into you know major timing issues. It's really not a super big deal to like unwind. So yeah. like Especially as you're listening small. to us yeah, as you're listening to us talk through this stuff, don't think that like everyone's out to get you and everyone's you know trying to gain these small edges. 
Um, but it's important to know that this stuff exists so that, you know, if you're trying to up your game a little bit, you can keep this stuff in mind to try and, you know, be more clear or, you know, play at a little bit higher level. Yeah, I mean, than I've, what you normally would. I've definitely used the move to clean up. Yeah. Uh, in a situation where I was like, I kind of need my opponent to screw this up. Yeah. Like, you know, like playing for cash and like a nine round, like legacy, like, mm -hmm. uh, tournament or, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure I've done it like in a team event where like, I'm trying to make sure that like, you know, it's like I, that I do the best I can for the people beside me and I'm like, go to clean up. And they're like, okay. And then they're yeah. like, I'm going to cast a spell. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like what do you? I was like, like right. I discarded my card. I there is no more turn. Right. Like playing like reanimator, and you're just like on the draw, and you draw your card and go go to clean up or mandalus dredge. Yep. And they're like, okay, and you throw your card in the graveyard, and then they go to do something, and you're like, mm -hmm. uh -uh. no, no, we went to clean up. I discarded my card. We're done. I feel like you know if it was a situation where I hadn't, where one we weren't like leveraged and needed to do really well, right, and two. I hadn't already discarded my card and given that information. If they would have been like, okay, I'm going to cast whatever. And I hadn't discarded my card. It's like, okay, like yeah. do your thing. Right. But yeah, but I think, you know, we, these are things you can do. And some of them, like sometimes you are trying to get like the 1% or like 0.1% slight advantage. Yeah. Right. But most of the time it's just like, I can't do anything. Just go. Like I, yeah. I've got seven cards. Uh, I've got four forests and seven white cards. Like just put me out of my misery. Right. Right. As opposed to like I've got to try to like get an edge. So, mm -hmm. um, we already talked about this next one, which is use pen and paper for life totals. Oh yeah. Right. So one, uh, if there is ever comp REL, mm -hmm. uh again right you have to keep your life totals with a pen and paper correct right so using the 20 sided spin down die that they give you is not good because if someone bumps your table and it rolls over now you've lost life totals right and we yeah, already there, talked about there's no way to look it back up yeah and we've already talked about the fact that it's a running tally and you mm -hmm. can go back and see what the life total should have been yeah, look at where the discrepancy is and try yeah. and recreate it from there. Um, having pen and paper lets you take notes. Like if you cast a thought seize or a duress, you can write down your opponent's hand. Yeah, just like how on Arena, after you've seen their hand, like those cards stay visible. Yeah. Um, same thing. You're kind of doing the same thing with pad and paper. Yeah. And then you can like mark off what cards you uh, have you have seen. Yeah, like, um, uh, it also works well for, um, like, they've been doing some more stuff with tucking cards in libraries as of late. Mm -hmm. They kind of started with, like, Approach of the Second Sun and Teferi, where, like, you put a card, a certain number of cards down from the top. Sometimes when my opponent is playing effects like that, I'll, like, try and keep a tally as to, like, where that card is. Because in your library, you can't just leave the card face up like they do in Arena, so you know where it is. It yeah. has to be face down in your deck. Yeah. Um. So, like, 
just making tick marks for like each card that's above it and crossing the ticks off is usually how I do that. Also, um, if you are taking notes, your notes are public information. Correct. Right. So you can't like take notes and then hide them from your opponent. Yep. Right. They have to like, if you're taking notes, like you don't have to like hold up your piece of paper and show them. But mm-hmm. if they're like, Hey, what are you writing? Mm-hmm. You have to be like, Oh, I'm writing, you know, whatever. How many, like you've got four more cards before you hit your approach. Yeah. Or, or whatever. Right. Like, Cause um, I feel like there's a story there. Was there, you know, I, like a big to do about that at some point? Not that I know of. I just, I just know that has always been something that, like, I have heard from like our judge friends yeah. that, like, okay. you can't have hidden, hidden notes. Yeah. So, um, also like, uh, energy and uh, poison are things that you need to be need to track via paper. Yeah, you can't just use a die, like you said. If somebody bumps the table and the die rolls around, then. You have just lost the tracking of that. Yeah, we that used to not be the uh, the case. We in Kalish we tracked energy with dice all the time. Oh, hundred percent. To the point that Jacob Ba got an energy token as his uh, as yeah. a token he had made for winning the Invitational. Yep. Because yeah, just... I mean it, it was pretty deep in the format where they made that rules change. Yeah, I think there were too many times that like it was just like ra- random, like energy discrepancies i thought i had eight i thought you had six yeah and like it mattered because they could activate something twice as opposed to once or three times as opposed to two times so i have one more weird thing to add to this energy thing okay um not that it's going to come up super often but in case anybody ever plays pioneer again and there is an energy deck there both players are responsible for tracking both players' energy. Fun. Like, per the rules, if your opponent is playing an energy deck, you and your opponent are both responsible for keeping the tool. Yeah. Again, this is one of those things that, for the most part, it only ever comes up if there's, like, a wild discrepancy. Yeah. Right? I personally never tracked my opponent's energy. Maybe I should have been, but the problem, the problem with energy is you got such big numbers so fast. Yeah. I think that I had a problem with this once and a judge had told me that I was responsible for tracking it, so I started. Okay. I don't I don't remember what the story was, but I don't think that I would have just randomly started tracking my opponent's energy. Yeah, unless you were told, like, hey, you need to track your opponent's energy. Yeah, and I, like, they, or I definitely remember, like, tracking my opponent's energy on, you know, my life pads. Actually, I could probably pull out a life pad within five or ten minutes of right now. Yeah, I don't know. I think I got rid of my, like, uh, I had a nice hardbound notebook that I went through tons and tons and tons of life totals. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Also, using the pen and paper... If you are, you know, so inclined, I know people that would like track their win loss record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I usually do that. Like if I'm using a book, like throughout the course of a tournament, I will absolutely write down. Like usually what I'll do is I'll write the round number. Once I figure out what my opponent's playing, write down whatever deck they're playing. 
and then I'll circle either my life total or the end of each game so that I can figure out, you know, what round I want. Yeah, like you don't want to be at the end and be like, oh, wait, I thought I got it 2-1. What do you mean you got it 2-1? Yeah. Like even like something as big as who won game one. You forget Oh, yeah, I've forgotten before. Yeah, so were like... You, were you there that night at the, that FNM? Uh, I don't remember. Um, I think it was Mr. Sowards. Okay. We were on game two and finished, and he started packing his stuff up. And I said, where are you going? And he said, well, I just won 2-0. And I said, no, we're 1-1. One one. Or he goes, I just won 2-1. And I said, no, we're 1-1. One one. We've only played games. And he was like, absolutely insistent that we had played three games and i knew for a fact we only played two games but we were both using dice so we couldn't look it up in a notepad i had to pull somebody from the next table over hoping that they were paying attention and you know they confirmed that we only played two games but like he he was dead set that we had played three games and he won yeah like these things happen right there's a lot to process so just like having the crutch of pencil and paper is is important yeah. Um, yeah. So we went from shortcuts to the turn to take good notes. It was a, it was a <laughs> an, abru- an abrupt change. Yeah, that was um, kind of weird, but yeah. But like, I mean, even something like, you know, I worry about. Oh gosh, like dungeons, right? They're like yeah. track it with like a glass marble from 1997. Right. Right. <laughs> a, a glass bead. Right. And it's yeah. like, well, what if someone hits hits the thing and like there's a big difference between like drawing a card and like draining for one in the mind well, of Fandel. It doesn't matter because there's no competitive play anymore. Fair. Fair, right? But like still like just like keeping track of that and like, oh, the table got bumped. Where was the thing? Yeah. Right? Like you did it on turn, you ventured on turn three and on turn six, and now it's turn ten or 12 right and you don't remember exactly where it was right and it got moved and you're like oh man i i guess i don't know where i was yeah and you're like oh well i have this goblin token so i must have done that one right right and you're like oh it's a lot harder to determine like if you had scryed or not though exactly like do i know the card on the bottom of my deck you can't like go check that right um and, like, normally it's just out of my head. It's like, well, I put that on the bottom. All right, this is why yeah. I have a 55% win rate. Is like, I, I like, <laughs> I'm like, what did I put on the bottom? Some cards. I don't know. I didn't need it four turns ago. I don't remember what it yeah. is. It wasn't relevant at the time, so it left. Yeah. 65% uh, win rate. They're like, my fourth card from the bottom of my deck is as follows. And it's like, yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. Gotcha. Sorry, Rain Man. I got other things going on my head. I don't need to know what time Wapner's on. I'm good. Uh, there's like there's like a reference in a reference that is a million years old. There, yeah, people we're are, old, right now, right. are are currently googling what is Wapner. Can I buy this at Burger King? No, you cannot. Yeah. Before Judge Judy, there was Wapner. <laughs> Um, so like we said, a general rule of thumb is just like be clear and communicate. And mm-hmm. if you do that 
for the most part, uh, you um, are going to get the same back. Yeah, right? like, kind of like I alluded to earlier when you know I had talked about like a life total discrepancy being resolved pretty easily if you have both been communicating well versus if neither of you have said a word to each other all of a sudden there's a problem that's a lot harder to fix than like if you're both pretty open about everything the get go yeah you can get it fixed and it yeah. won't be a big deal like yeah. it's it's often the feeling of like do i think this person is like trying to treat me fairly right and if people feel like you're trying to treat them fairly they're going to like work with you if if a mistake comes up mm mm-hmm. mhm Right, but and if you have certainly played against opponents where I felt like I was not being treated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. At large I mean, events. Yes. I mean I uh I vaguely remember his name. I don't want to say his name and like get it wrong. But mm-hmm. there was that uh the legacy event where uh so I was on depths and then my opponent was on like Naya Renin Six uh, like land deck, it was the uh, yeah. team Lotus Box deck. Yeah, and like had had already like had some communication issues, and then like tapped two mana to activate a blast zone, and yeah. didn't look down and picked up the wrong blast zone. Right, and picked it up, tapped it, put it in his graveyard, and I, and like he wanted to pick up the one on two, and he picked up the one on one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool, blow up your exploration. Yeah. And, like, he didn't get to go back. Right. Right, because he wasn't paying attention and, like, didn't, like, wasn't like, I'm going to blow up my blast zone on two. Right? right. It was just, like, activate blast zone and picked up the wrong one. Mm-hmm. And if you would have said on two and then picked up the one on one, I'd have been like, all right, dude, you picked up the wrong one. Right. Right. But instead, he was just, like, blast zone and thing and didn't realize he made a mistake until I was like, I was like, I was just like, okay, cool. Like brain fart, like blow up your thing. And then he was like, oh wait, no, why would I want to do that? I don't know. I don't know. You did it. <laughs> you're the semi, you're the semi pro player. Yeah. I'm just the guy. I, I don't know. I'm just the casual tryhard. I'm just the casual tryhard here. Just like trying to like 2020 people and going to time for some reason. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, But yeah, like, you know, if, you know, if I maybe I'd been a little more forgiving if it had been like, oh, like we were like, like there was reasonable communication throughout. Yeah. And it wasn't like the second or third time that I thought like they were trying to get like by on me. Yeah. And it's like, mm. so um, there is one thing that kind of fits with communication here. And it, it is kind of weird that this like show kind of morphed from shortcuts to communication, but they are pretty tightly linked. Um, I had been, I don't remember if I saw it on social media or or something, but the topic of chalice checking came up lately. Uh, yes. Do we want to talk about chalice checking quickly, especially since, uh, like modern is kind of in the, in the spotlight on people's minds. Sure. As long as we can also get through this other stuff we have in the, in the notes, cause I, I think it's important. We'll do the chalice check. So what what okay. was coming up on in social media? Um, just like what, how people felt about chalice checking, whether you felt it was okay or not okay, or if it was something that was to be expected, or if chalice checking is scummy or 
okay, have you. So, for the uh, uninitiated, welcome. Uh, yep. Chalice of the Void is an artifact from Mirrodin Block? Um, or or Scar. Yeah, it was either Mirrodin or Fifth Dawn. Yeah. So, it's XX for an artifact that comes mm-hmm. into play with X uh, charge counters on it. Mm-hmm. And when your opponent, when a player casts a spell with yep. convert a mana cost X, you can counter it with Chalice of the Void. A trigger, like you have to trigger Chalice of the Void to counter the spell. Right. So a Chalice check is when you cast a spell that you know your opponent can counter with their Chalice. And mm-hmm. you're checking to see if they're going to, um, say, trigger. Remember. Yeah. Right? So all you have to do when your opponent casts a spell with Chalice Avoid, basically Chalice triggers every time a spell is cast. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it does, and then it checks to see if it's the right CMC. Yeah. Or it might just... No, it just triggers when it's the right CMC. But yeah. you just have to say... You have to see that you have one counter on your chalice, and they mm-hmm. cast a spell with a one convert a mana cost, and you just have to point at your chalice and say trigger, and then they put it in the trash can. Yep. Right. But if you if, but personally, I, again, like I'm I'm from an older timey version of Magic, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think it's a hundred percent okay to like cast a spell into your opponent's chalice. Yeah, see, that's exactly where I fall. I will chalice check my opponent at every opportunity. Yeah, I mean, now there are there is the Galindo chalice check, and then which which <laughs> re, which really stretches across the line, which is right at the line, right? But like the number of times I have forgot and accidentally cast a spell into a chalice, seemingly for a chalice check. Uh, is uh yeah. is pretty high, yes. uh, right? I I just the other day cast an exploration with a Narset out, like yeah. I had planned my whole turn for gonna whatever card I'm gonna draw off this exploration, and then nothing happened. And I went, oh, shame scoop. Okay, yep. <laughs> like I was losing this game anyway, but now I'm really losing this game. Um, yeah. so yeah, like I think it's fine to chalice check someone, right? I mean. A lot of times, the chalice is in the deck, and that's, like, why your deck works. Right. Right. Like, the number of times in a Legacy tournament, someone's playing in day two with soldiers, Mm -hmm. or dinosaurs, or pirates, or whatever, (laughs) and it's just because it's a deck that has four chalice of the voids, and, like, I don't know. 17 times they stuck it on turn one yeah and then they won like 16 of those games right and it was like cool it doesn't matter what my what my other cards are mm-hmm. i like dinosaurs so i'm gonna play <laughs> Din- i'm gonna play dinosaur stompier i like soldiers because first strike is secretly unbeatable in legacy so i'm going to play <laughs> soldier stompy and play four chalices and a bunch of two drops yep right like i think it's fine like the reason those decks work is because they have a chalice like the person should like be like 
the only reason I'm playing this deck is because of this card. Mm-hmm. I should have like I should be paying attention enough to like actually like say trigger. Yeah. Right? Um now the Galindo Chalice check is like the all in one motion like uh play this, play this, Glistener Elf, go. Yeah. Two things that resolve, one thing that doesn't pass turn. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, Blighted Agent, Glistener Elf, go. Yeah. And your opponent's like, okay, I'll go. And then, like, they realize that there's a Glistener Elf on the battlefield. (laughs) That one, that one sometimes is uh, is a a little, is a a lot close to the line to over it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I quite go that far, but I yeah. have absolutely chalice checked people multiple times during the same game, though. And like, had your stuff resolve? Yeah, right. Even or if, had like, it not resolved just to see, like it's not doing me any good in my hand. Yeah, like just to like you know, sometimes like sometimes the chalice of the void only works thirty three percent of the time. Yes, <laughs> right. So or or sometimes chalice of the void is sex panther. Fifty <laughs> percent of the time, it works every time. That's right, right. And so, like, if you're going to lose a game, and like, you, like, I don't, it's you're not cheating. You're just asking your opponent, like, hey, do you remember what cards you have on the battlefield? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it's almost no different than like I don't know attacking like your two two into their like three two. Yeah, or or into exactly. their three three like. You're like, are you gonna block? Like, yeah. you were at two, you have a three three. I'm attacking my two two into it. If you yeah. just say no blocks, you lose the game. Right. Are you gonna block? Like, I don't think that's a scummy move. Right. Right. Like, I I mean, we've we've all had the arena game where your opponent like uh, attacks, and you like make three blocks and they concede. <laughs> right because yep. they had they had nothing else right you're like okay you're, you're throwing three creatures away if i block any two of them you lose the game i will yep. block two of them and they're just like okay we're dead yep right so like it's i don't know the same thing yeah i i think it's just like hey are you gonna like make the game action you have to make mm-hmm. and i think it's fair yep now uh so and, and again like with chalice like tying it all together with communication, you have to communicate to your opponent that I am acknowledging that my Chalice of the Void has a trigger, mm-hmm. and I am saying trigger, and then that makes you put the thing in the trash. Right. Right. Now, uh, Cameron was playing. Oh gosh, like Red White Prison or like Red White Nihiri. Right. Yeah. Blood Moons, Chalice of the Voids, all the stuff, and he's playing against Tron. Mm-hmm. And like day two of the team Star City Open in Baltimore, right? And um, we're like it was our last match or our second to last match. Like we were like I think dead for money, yeah, or something. But we were just playing to like see where we would finish, right? Right. And well, because playing- like you could you I, don't, I think you were dead for money, but you still could have had like a very respectable finish. Which we we were like sixteenth or seventeenth or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and we were playing against this team from Canada, and they were just like having a blast, loving life, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Cameron 
gets to the point where like um he's got a blood moon out he's playing against tron and he taps 10 mana <laughs> and puts a chalice of the void on five yep. because he knows his opponent has a batter skull yeah and I turned to Cameron and I said, if you miss that trigger, you have to walk home. <laughs> <laughs> like you, we all know why you put it on five. You tapped yeah. all your mana. If you made this, if there is a batter skull on the battlefield at any point in this game, you have to walk home. I'm sorry. These are just the rules. You have to go home. Yeah. I think the, I think my opponent was playing burn. Mm-hmm. I remember this. I remember this part of the tournament very well. But I was just like, <laughs> "You've got to go home, right?" So, all right. Um, so another kind of there. So we said air on the side of like over communication, but there is like a point where you go too far. One hundred percent. If new players do this, and it like kind of drives me up a wall. I I me, know me it's too. like it's like their best intentions. Right. But it's like my life only has so many minutes. Um, <laughs> Please don't so, take them all. Yeah. So <laughs> when they're like, left. they're like, I'm gonna tap my swamp for black, and I'm gonna tap my swamp for black, and I'll tap my planes for white, and I'll play, I don't know, something. This one black black. Yeah. I don't, I'll play Liliana of the Veil. Yeah. It's like. How did you get a hundred dollar lily if you say I tap my swamp for black? <laughs> it's like just grab two swamps and a plains and tap them. Right. Right. Now that attitude of just grab your appropriate arena and tap it means you as the like non active player has to be paying attention. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh to like um uh make sure that they tap the right mana. And right. like you know, this has definitely happened where, like, stuff has slid through. But, like, mm-hmm. you don't need to, like, every time you tap a land, announce the color you're tapping it for. Yeah. Even if it's, like, a breeding pool or an underground or an overgrown tomb that taps yeah. for two colors of mana. Like, if you tap three forests and a swamp for a and an overgrown tomb... For a spell that costs three and a black, yeah, I can infer that your overgrown you tomb was black. tapping for black. Yeah, right. Now, if you're like, you know, if there's a cavern of souls, right, mm-hmm. and you're playing Eldrazi, yeah, right? this so, is kind of important, right? So, if you have a thought not seer that costs three and spe- three generic and specifically one colorless wingding, right. right? And you have a cavern of souls. You should say like, "I'm tapping this cavern of souls for a color of mana," right? Because that Otherwise makes it doesn't work. Because it makes my thought not see or uncounterable. Where because you could also just tap your cavern of souls for a colorless mana, right? Right. And so there you have to communicate like, "Hey, I'm getting like green from this, so I can cast this this spell," right? Yeah. But for the most part, you don't have to like clearly announce what color you're tapping your lands for now if your opponent's like hey hey, i i don't see how do you have the mana for this Mm -hmm. right you should be able to be like okay i'm getting blue from this green from this you know whatever right like just walk through like hey you know you're doing 
yeah, like if you cast Niv Mizzet Reborn. Yeah. And like they're like, wait, 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 wait. Like, do you have all five colors? Yeah. You should be able to go like, here's white, here's blue, here's black, here's red, here's green. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's that. But, yeah, I mean, like, that's you, totally like a reasonable thing to ask. Yeah. It's not like but don't you, feel scummy for. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, maybe in the Niv Mizzet Reborn case, you're like, you're white, you, you tap like you're like white, black. Or white, blue, black, red, green. Niv Mizzet yeah. Reborn. But if it's just like, you know, here's my Acera rack. Yeah. And you're like, and you t- as long as you tap a thing that like makes black, like they should be following along. But if they're not following along, yeah. like it's well within the rights to be like, hey, how did you cast that? Mm-hmm. But you don't have to announce every tap. Right. The only other place this might be a little confusing or what where it's important to like tell your opponent or be a little bit more clear, you know, what mana you're using is when you're floating mana, like if you mana more colors and then cast something, cast something, and then you need like the blue from the mana morphos for a spell, like two spells from now, or if you like dark ritual and then, you know, cast some other stuff and you need a black mana from that dark ritual down the line. Yeah. Um, so then you- it's important. If you're usually going to do like one of those big mana generation turns, I think now you're supposed to like track your floating mana. Yeah, you right? are. So, so if you're like, again, on paper, I know I have uh, some RK post tokens somewhere that are all the different colors of mana. Yeah. So like if you're storming off, you can be like, I've got five black, two red and a blue. Yeah. And I'm going to cast another dark ritual. So I'm going to go down to four up to uh up to seven mm-hmm. right and track it that way so it's clear how much mana you have at every point right but for the most part like unless you're like hey i'm gonna cast i'm gonna try to cast 25 spells this turn mm-hmm. right you don't need to be tracking like all of your mana at like every point yeah like one more place where that's important is like if you're playing amulet titan because oh, yeah. like your mana can get kind of constrained and there's a whole bunch of taps and untaps in the middle there where you know you're not necessarily off cast a 10 spells but like you need certain colors to activate abilities so like when you're tapping your mana and using mana again like you said at that point you should probably be tracking it on paper or with some sort of counter or something but like that's another point where you would need to be Make sure you're extra clear with your opponent what you're, what mana you're using for what. Yeah, like if you have a, a Simic Growth Chamber and you're like, tap for blue, green, and I'll play an Ancient Stirrings and mm-hmm. get a, you know, find a Teleria West. Right, and then and go then, to Transmute the Teleria West. Yeah, it's like, hey, where did that blue mana come from? Or like yeah. you, you know, you do that and then you like, play another Simic Growth Chamber and it comes in, it gets untapped and then you tap it and then bounce mm-hmm. it back to your hand. A lot has happened between when you generated that blue mana and when you used it, right? right. You looked at the top five cards of your library, you played another land, you had a trigger, you untapped it, you tapped mm-hmm. it, and then you bounce it to your hand. Like six things happened. And then you're like, oh yeah, use that blue mana. Yeah. And, you know, just like if you've like written it down, it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. Right. So what was your other one here? So 
that's the exact opposite of that is you know instead of going you know in depth with announcing every little thing that you're you also don't want to be the guy that just kind of looks around and like motions so if you draw your card for turn and then just tap your creatures does anybody really know what you're doing other than you you could be activating an ability convoking a spell attacking like you haven't actually communicated anything with your opponent yeah um i think you had an opponent at like a large event that did this right where he just like grunted and pointed no this was again the legacy uh, uh gp he uh yeah we talked about him before red black reanimator player just like yeah. took a chancellor of the annex and like flipped it over at me and kind of like chucked it at me and i was mm-hmm. like oh so you so this was my him communicating that he had a chancellor of the annex that I was going to have to pay one. Right. And so it was just like, like he didn't say anything. Like it took like, it was like pulling teeth to get him to like talk at all. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you're playing red, black, random and there's not a lot of talking, like hit the, hit the grizzle brand button. (laughs) But, but still at some point, like there's going to be some communication. Right. So no, I, like it makes it it makes it hard to know like what's going on and like in another thing is like it does slow the game down like like you attack and then you go mm-hmm. to second main phase and you just like look at your opponent right it's like well you're the active player you're telling me what's happening and so mm-hmm. you're just sitting there holding priority not communicating and then it puts the and then you put the onus on like your opponent to be like, are, are you done? Yeah. Right. And, you know, then you get all mad. I can't believe this person's rushing me through my turn. Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, you sat there for a minute and didn't do anything. Right. Like, what were they supposed to do? Just like, you know, see if you like grew moss. Like, no, <laughs> like we need to like, we need to move this puppy along. So there's there's a thing of like going in the tank and like, mm-hmm. you know, when someone's in the tank and really thinking hard, right, usually they will, you know, there's clearly a reason as to why they're thinking so hard. Yeah. Right. Or they're like, you know, you see them like mathing at like mouthing counting or whatever. Yeah. But like, like if you just, your fingers or whatever. Yeah. If you're just like standing there or sitting there just staring at them, they're like, what is going on yeah what what is happening yeah all right i had another one that was good and i like i was saying I was like, oh we should totally touch on this and oh what I was it get, I, I don't know because i finished my other thought and like i'm old oh. and i can't keep two thoughts in my head at the same time I um, feel your pain. yeah it was it was about oh gosh <sighs> was it about mana I was talking about tanking, and it was like related oh. to that. Oh, I don't remember. Oh no! And it was a good point too. No. Oh. Uh, but yeah, just make sure that you let people know what's going on because you can't just sit there forever and ever. Yeah, and not do anything. I mean, I think we've touched on it twice already this episode. But as long as the lines of communication are open, things will be fine. Yeah. Um, just communicate to your opponent in the same way that you would expect them to communicate with you, and they're more likely than not will be no problems at all. Yeah. 
So, with that and my inability to remember uh, a good point, I think <laughs> we have a show. Oh, I think we have a show. I guess we can do one quick arena newsy thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is they just announced it like on Monday the 9th, but Jumpstart on Arena is getting pushed back like two weeks. So if you. For some reason, because they want it to be like super close to rotation so we can buy a whole bunch of Jumpstart at the same time we're buying Midnight Hunt for some reason. Yeah. So if you're like. Uh, listening to the podcast and you're like why can't I play Jumpstart is they just tweeted out today that they are pushing it back a couple weeks yep so just so you know FYI the more you know it's bad that we both did that (laughs) alright so now officially we have a show if you uh, if you realize what I forgot you can tweet at us at Casual Tripod if we'll get to it next week. <laughs> yeah, if you remember. Or yeah. if you have a way for us to... Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG or you can shoot us an email show at com. Uh, yeah. Like I said at the top of the show, um, we have a TCG Player Affiliate link. Appreciate it if you use that with just singles to help the show out. Uh, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com also our pre-show for this show was fantastic you patrons are going to be super happy with it I imagine um, it could have been a show all unto itself unfortunately we're under a time crunch to try and get this playing in paper series done and it will probably be irrelevant by the time that happens so if you want to listen to it Hop on over to patreon.com slash casual tryhardtg. A couple bucks in the pot. Get access to all of our pre-shows. You'll get access to our show notes when they go live. I'll have to go back through and check, but I'm probably about due for another Patreon getbacks at some point coming up here. So if you wanna if you want to be involved in that, like I said, hop on over to patreon.com slash casual tryhardmtg. Throw a couple bucks in the pot. We appreciate it and we have a discord so there's a link in the description there's a link on all our social media um a lot of cool people hanging out in there talking about decks talking about new sets asking questions it's a great place to go to get some questions answered or if you have show topics like things you want to learn how to do in paper that's another place where you let us know yeah so with that we will hopefully catch you at fnm We'll catch you at FNM.